Thanks, Taylor. Yeah. You brought us back. We are also breaking for our quarantine um, creativity. Right. Well, we each have been writing albums um, and we're ready to release them in their entirety. Just kidding, but we will release a bonus episode. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the B-Sides. We're here for a bonus episode. Happy, happy bonus day, everybody. Um, the B-Sides is a podcast for lefties who love pop music. So I'm Hannah Zoe. I'm Becky. I'm Mimi. And we're so excited to be here. Um, The podcast will be back with season two very soon, so subscribe. But we knew that we could not wait until then to unpack the most surprising music update in quarantine, which is folklore. Yay. Okay, so here's what I think we should do. Let's spend some time going over our overall impressions, our top line takeaways, what our reactions are, what we think this means for Taylor, for pop music, and then let's start to get more specific in terms of like specific songs, specific themes, and we'll take it from there. Okay, what do we think? Do we like it? Do we hate it? I think that I know the answer to that, but like, let's talk about it. What do we think? We like it a lot. <laughs> it's so good. It is Red's big sister. Do you think so? Other people are saying speak now and other people are saying fearless. And I think maybe that just speaks to like, it's all of her. It's like a lot of her work's yeah. big sister. But I think in that it's not like reputation's big sister. Sure, sure. <laughs> that it's like a different, a different vibe. Although I will say in quarantine, I have really been loving reputation way yeah. more than I did when it first came out three years ago. Yeah, it's... It has some great songs. I was so distracted by the bad songs on Reputation that I did not understand how good it was until much later. And that is not yeah. the case with with Folklore where like- No, I, no skips. There's no yeah. skips. I read what I will call a conspiracy theory today, although Please. like lately I'm really not feeling conspiracy theories because they're really getting out of control in every- Yeah. But um, one was like, she set up Reputation years ago getting ready for this because, like, the brashness <gasps> of Reputation, she was, like, putting that out there so that people would really want from her something more toned down, something more minimalist. Yeah. Um, and then this person, I think, thought Lover would be that, but then she, yeah. she decided to go even longer with that. I don't know how I feel about that. I think it's an interesting theory, but... um. Huh. No, I, I don't think she would have predicted the pandemic and no. things going on that might have contributed to this. And if she did predict that in 2017, then I have many more questions. I mean, she's more powerful than we give her credit for. So, like, honestly, she might have known something, but... She loves Easter eggs. That's, like, her thing. She loves Easter eggs. So, like, if she plans an Easter egg and reputation, I bet... I bet there's something there or there's some fan who like listened to like one line and was like, dress. Right. she mentioned dressed in that song. And then she mentions it in folklore. So, I'm, like, gonna pull, I'm pulling up the track list because she did say that there had been songs that she had been working on before quarantine. I don't know if that actually means like songs that she had been making during another album time, but like, I don't know. Are there songs on this that immediately like scream reputation or lover? To you, or even, I mean, maybe earlier? I think the first, I'm sorry, guys. I will say, I listened to the album, like, throughout the entire day, but I I, I I don't know if you guys like this, but, like, it's so beautiful, and I play it in order that I'm not sure when songs end and other songs begin. Yes. And I think that's intentional for, like, one of the first times for her. Yeah, I think so, too. Yeah. So I was going to say that I can't, I wanted to find, I think the one, her, the first song, uh-huh. Um, off the album sounds like it could have been on lover totally mm-hmm. totally i think it's like definitely the most the, the most a vibe of any taylor swift album like by a lot which i think is awesome like i think that's something that we don't think about enough is um the pressure actually like the pressure that putting out an album more rarely puts on an artist the first time I remember thinking about this, I mean, I, I was late to the game, but I remember having this thought around um, when Thank You Next dropped. And I was like, how did Ariana make this so quickly? And it's like so am- amazing. And the truth is like, if you're in a creative space mm-hmm. and you have freedom and you have inspiration and you have support, like you're going to make something amazing and it doesn't take that long. Whereas in the past when she was like, I need to spend two years to make a album that will definitely win a Grammy that's just like a different level of pressure that doesn't like 
foster creativity the way something like this clearly does. Yeah, I think being in a really particular headspace and going through either a personal crisis or yeah. hypothetically a, go a global crisis um, yeah. can, can really do that. And I was thinking about if you guys remember like the first, maybe like mid-March, a couple weeks yeah. in March when there was a lag um, between like ads and commercials <laughs> that were like still very like people go out and do stuff like and then, totally. and then and then starting to make ads and things like that that were like quarantine or pandemic related and I was like I wonder what those will be like when those hit yeah um and now we have a version of that but just for like the most mega pop star you know like if you ever wondered like what Taylor Swift would do during a pandemic musically right cool. at least in the first part of it who knows how long this will go on I think we're going to get a lot of artists that are going to start dropping albums the way she did. Isn't Beyonce doing something on the 28th? Oh, she's releasing a Netflix show, I think. Oh, yeah. Like she and she kind of like put that out. Like she gave a little bit more notice than Taylor did, but like also dropped that. It made me also hope that like Rihanna is maybe working on an album. Rihanna. And will like drop something. Yeah, I do think, I think also on the flip side, when we saw a lot of artists who in the beginning when the pandemic happens, postponed yeah. their albums, yeah. like Haim and Dixie Chicks, who I, I understand, I bet it's more, what? Gaga. Gaga. Yeah. Wow, Chromatica feels like. I know. Eight years Different ago. universe also. <laughs> yeah, I just, I, but that's probably, I assume from their, um, not them, but maybe their recording whatever what are they, their producers yeah. telling them to postpone sure. it but in retrospect i don't really understand i guess maybe they thought the pandemic would be over by june and they tour but yeah i really want to use heim's album in april when it was supposed to come out uh, and it came out at the end of june it was still great but i was like why couldn't you we come really out this. yeah yeah and and thinking seasonally a little bit um as you do as i as one does when one <laughs> me. Um, like this album sounds like a fall winter album uh -huh. possibly, but it's not and and it like it fits this moment but it also doesn't fit like what usual summer yeah is the way something like um like future nostalgia or something like that does yeah. and so i think that's interesting and a and a testament to how like time has become so strange um <laughs> that this album like this is just not an album that i think would almost ever come out in the middle of the summer no um just sonically do you, do you think it's an album that she would ever have released if they're not like you know putting aside the fact that she made it during a pandemic like would she release it not in a pandemic like would she release it in a regular fall or does it feel like, like it exists in this particular world? That's I don't I'm have an answer to it. With. That's what I'm struggling with, with that, like, conspiracy theory with reputation and how that was, like... Oh. Uh -uh. I, I think she would have. Yeah. Yeah. I think it just would have come out later and she probably would have spent a lot more time, like, overanalyzing it and consulting yes. people. I agree with that. I think it would have been somewhat different, but I think she, at some point, was, like, potentially going to do a folksy yeah album and it would have been in the fall or winter yeah i have a secret that i have not explicitly said to like anyone not either of you or like on whatever anything else which is like i do i love this album but it's not exactly my taste in music and it's not going to be my favorite taylor song to taylor mm -hmm. album which I feel like nervous to say, but in a good way, because there's been such an amazing um, response to this album, which is really different than other album drop days. Like this is the, this is the most positive album drop day I remember since 1989. I mean, there's only been two others, but like this yeah. day has been unbelievably like beautiful and I love it. But like, you know, the, my taste in music is out of the woods and like she and Jack made something different and that's amazing. And I much prefer this to the like you know maximalist pop is like my jam but there's a version of maximalist pop that turns into me and you need to calm down and i that is not my taste in music so i much prefer this over that which i feel like this is also just so authentic to her both in general but where she is right now 
but I don't know. I just feel, I, I do feel the need to, to, to say this is not my favorite Taylor Swift album of all time. That doesn't feel like a secret to me. Right, right, right. And it should be a safe space for you to admit it. <laughs> I thought you were going to tell me something like surprising. Tell us something surprising. I, I agree with you, Hannah. Actually, I've been thinking about this. I, I think it's a beautiful album and I do like this kind of music, but it's nowhere near my favorite Taylor Swift album. Yeah. And like, I honestly prefer Red to this album. Yeah. yeah. But I, I enjoy listening to this and like I will I will like it and I enjoy the Nash uh I enjoy the national and yeah. I enjoy Bonnie Vera, but they're not my like go to music the yeah. way that like I could put on red if yeah. I'm having a bad day and it makes me feel better or like nineteen eighty nine. Um but I will say that what I I agree with you and that it's getting the most amazing reviews out of all of them. And it's interesting because I've had conversations with people today who are like not Taylor Swift fans, but like are yeah. in shock by her talent through this and not through yeah. like Lover or 1989 or Red or anything like that. But it's this music that they're now like, oh, yeah. like look at like, look at the way she can write. And I'm like, dude, she's been fucking doing this the entire time. You just write it out because it's on the radio. Or, like, yeah. she puts out bad signal singles like Me and 22 um, when she's been – I mean, 22 is a great song, but 22 is a great it's song. not her. Since it's not podcasts, her most lyrical. <laughs> since podcasts are not a visual medium, our audience can't tell that I just, like, rolled my eyes and then, like, started screaming silently. Because that's, like – I really agree with that. And – or, like, not that I agree with it, but I really hear that and – it's been really hard because the minute she dropped the visual, the first thing I thought of after being excited was like, we're going to have to talk about Ryan Adams again. <laughs> like, I hate talking about Ryan Adams, but I think about that all the time. And I think that there has to be room in discourse about pop music to account for taste, like personal differences mm-hmm. in taste and saying like, wow, this is the first time Taylor Swift has put out an album that's my taste. That's so great. I'll listen to it. As opposed to, this is the first time Taylor Swift has put out music that I am allowed to respect. Like, those two things should be different. It's so frustrating. Yeah, it's a lot of dudes. To me, at least. Dudes, just stay out of it. Like, wow, like, she's so talented. And I'm like, she's been in the game for 10 years. Can I read a great comment that um, a B-Sides friend, Mackenzie, wrote on Instagram that I asked her if I could include. Please. Um, Okay, it's about this. I thought this was so great. She said, the discourse is already heralding folklore as her greatest work since Red and acting like her three true pop records, 1989, Rep, Lover, are beneath her somehow. The amazing thing about Taylor Swift is that her artistry has always involved expressing herself in whatever genre or style best executes her feelings. Yes. And it's low-key pretentious, to put the singer-songwriter folk genre on some sort of pedestal above pop music. This is what we talk about all the time. As if because she's singing over acoustic instruments instead of synths, that automatically legitimizes your appreciation of this record despite it being Taylor Swift. Like, I, I just thought that was great. And that's exactly great. what we're saying here. Okay, right, just great. like the, the tiniest harp or like the tiniest like snare drum in the world, <laughs> like it makes her authentic. Um, right. But I also think like this is the first album in a while maybe ever that wasn't created or designed to fill stadiums in a way Mm -hmm. that's a little reductive but you know what I mean in terms of like we're talking about how it's not designed for like an international tour and spectacle in the way that a lot of the previous ones obviously are well I was supposed to see lover uh the love that lover fest on well this upcoming friday and one of my friends who i'm seeing it with texted me today like wow i can't wait for lover fest because we'll get two albums and i was like is she gonna be touring this i don't think so and vicky my friend was like no she'll find a way to like turn it into a stadium show which i don't disagree with but i i think what i could more see her like doing like cardigan with the piano you know, like lights out, like that kind of, but I, I would or doing be doing like, like doing, it's nice to have a friend fade into mirror ball. Exactly. Yeah. Something I would, I just, I mean, that's interesting. Cause I, you don't see this. I don't see her going on tour with it, but she is going to supposedly fingers crossed. My tickets aren't canceled. They're just postponed. Um, do lover fast at some time that I wonder how she's going to incorporate this, if at all. Yeah. And I, I think, 
I, I think she'll probably, I think you're right. She'll probably incorporate a few songs at this point. Um, but it's not, it's not an album that you would like hang a tour on, on its own. And yeah. I don't know if that at all connects to what people who usually don't like her are saying about how they really respect her now suddenly. Yeah. Um, I, perhaps I'm giving them too much credit, but I wonder about like, if they're making that connection or not, at least explicitly, mm. you know, between like gearing something towards that kind of fanfare yeah. that they don't like for some reason yeah. versus not. I do feel like people are saying that um, when it's explicit, it's, it's what I've seen. I mean, it's been one day of this, not even. So like, who knows what, what will develop, but like what I've seen is kind of um, knocking things for being like radio friendly or for like, there's a sense that certain things are pandering. And I want to disagree with that. It's hard to fully disagree with the fact that like, hey, kids spelling is fun is not pandering. Like I, you know, it's not like I'm suddenly defending, hey, kids spelling is fun, but I do have a little more like um, space in my heart for it suddenly, because I am thinking like this, this album is just such a reminder of how multifaceted every single person like in the whole world is and how that must be like a lot of pressure, especially for a pop star to have to be giving people such a narrow slice of, of their lives. And this is just like, so we're learning so much about her. Like every song she puts out, I learn more about her. Yeah. I can't stop thinking about the documentary put out, uh-huh. she put out by a year and a half ago. Um, or not even a year and a half. Was it? No, it wasn't. It was like six it months was recently. Ago. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Oh my God. <laughs> Originally, it was a year and a half ago, but like literally, it was six months ago. (laughs) Literally, it wasn't like January. Oh my God, kill me. Um, But I keep the minute this album came out, I can't stop thinking about her in her studio, uh, like with the guy from Panning at the Disco, but also Uh like the rest of her team, and how like it's so clear how like her her thoughts and her writing process and like the voice memos and then her like singing into the song and then Jack Antonoff like being like, get away car. (laughs) I love those. those I I hope she's recording it. I would love to see the, uh, maybe she'll release some voice memos. Um, Okay. So I think, I think we need to talk about the public conversation around this album is like at least the, the, part of the public that I consume is like half about the music itself and half just about like how much this album is about Carly Kloss. And it's a really hard conversation to have because in general, we've made a point at in the B-sides where we've tried to of like not trying to just talk about other people's sexuality, like in a way that pretends that we know anything about them. And that can be like incredibly harmful. And at this point, the evidence is so it's so there. And I'm not saying that that I actually think there is still a world in which she is straight just feels less and less likely. And I think we should talk about, about some of that evidence. And then I think we should also plan to in the future in, in, in the B sides, like in a more, you know, not formal, but maybe a full episode way, like actually talk about the ethics of um, talking about whether or not Taylor Swift is gay. Cause it's, there's a lot there, but did you guys get that from this album? Cause I sure did. I think so. I mean, I will also say, and I think you're better at talking about the specifics of this particular situation. Um, although I've gotten like my education from PowerPoints you've sent me, um, is that like when it comes to this topic and maybe Taylor Swift more broadly, but specifically the Kaler topic, it's like that, it's like that dress, the like blue and gold like thing where people see either like all of the signs of that relationship so clearly or they're like oh she's like talking about like joe in this way or she's talking she's like coming from the perspective of like a different person who's like doing this and they just like don't see it at all yeah um so that so i i don't know but i do see it more than ever in this i would say especially since carly Kloss also posted that photo of her in the woods right Right. Yeah, I mean, was... I, when I first listened to so the first thing I listened to was Cardigan because I watched the music video when it dropped. And I was saying, like, this is about Carly Kloss. And Logan was like, 
that's confirmation bias. Or he's like, are you sure? Is it not just confirmation bias? And it's like, it's definitely confirmation bias. Of course it's confirmation bias. Like it's ridiculous for me to pretend it's not confirmation bias. And I don't know. I just, I really hear it in so much. And like in the last few albums, I have heard more and more songs like Cornelia Street, like dress that feel like they're really, there's like a really clear way it's about Carly Kloss. And this is like every, every single song. The only song that I hear even like, a good argument to be made that it's not about Carly Kloss is um, Invisible String when she mentions like the Froyo shop and like Joe Alwyn did used to work at a Froyo shop when he was a teenager. So and that's it. And I forgot what song it is. Maybe it's an Invisible String song where she says like your brother is now my brother. Yes, but counterpoint to that exact lyric which is she mentions two times in this album, the concept of chosen family, which is a beautiful, it's a, it's a powerful concept for people of all orientations and sexualities. And it is like a very queer concept of like being really, you know, just clear and holding on to your chosen family. And she mentions it twice in two separate songs. Okay. I, I think <laughs> that I do get what you're saying. Um, but Knowing her and having not knowing, you know, knowing, knowing her, her so, so well, knowing her. Knowing, <laughs> I meant, sorry, I meant yes, knowing her. I just I think she also has a chosen family, and that like she doesn't see I see definitely friends and family that she can trust and around her like that she like. So I do think she is some kind of like chosen family that may not be absolutely. I just think including it two times yeah, draws yeah. your attention to it. And and it, there's so many other, like, I, people are obviously pointing to Betty as the song that is, like, most clearly queer. But I actually, and I think that's it's definitely true, especially because of the whole theory that, you know, Carly Kloss's middle name is Elizabeth. So Betty and Taylor was named after James Taylor. So James, so, like... But did you also hear the other theory? Blake Lively. Yes, that it's Blake Lively's (laughs) kids' names. (laughs) And Betty is the third child. But she named the third child, but no one knows. But Taylor Swift is letting us know that that child's name is Betty. So I have no problem with that. But I actually think the song Seven was the one that made the most sense to me. And I think also, like, the it really ties back to, like, the concept of folklore. Um... And because it has a line about, about um, a folk song. So I think there's, yeah, let me pull it up. There's um, beautiful lines. Um, I think you should come live with me and we can be pirates. Then you won't have to cry or hide in the closet. Excuse me. And just like a folk song, our love will be passed on, which I think really speaks to like the way that the queer community online has like made, has like created folklore around Carly and Taylor, which Taylor knows about. I mean, we know Taylor knows about it. She's on Tumblr. She sees, like, we know that. And, like, you know, that 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 her fans have, like, held on to this story more than Carly did. And I think that's what that speaks to. I think it's beautiful. It's all very mysterious. Folklore <laughs> is also about, like, mythology and whatnot. So it's just, like... I was going to say it fits. Yeah. yeah. And, like, really good storytelling. Uh-huh. Right. There was some funny tweet that I'm not going to get right, but it was kind of like the way that uh, Taylor Swift like made, you know, talked about how this was a, an album about other people's stories is her way of being like, if I liked girls, but I don't, this is what it would sound like, but I don't. It's like, yeah. But this is, this is someone else's story. Makes me sad that if she really is closeted, that she feels like she can't, you know, like be her true self because so much of what she tries to like sell as her image is that she's like, fuck the man. Like, you know, yeah. like I am. Be honest I am. yourself. Yeah. And she's, and all the LGBTQ stuff, like activism that she does it. Yeah. It hurts that she, I get it. People come out, can come out at their own yeah. schedule and time not to pressure her, but just makes me sad that she feels like she, maybe she would lose fans or I don't know. Yeah. It also, I mean, that takes us to a different aspect of like what I, what I heard in this album from her, which is like a lot more sadness than I think I've been like, been 
been thinking of her holding, which she's, she's never pretended that she's like not, you know, going through something. She's always really clear about that. But I just heard like so much um, pain in this album. And I'm, I'm like, a, I'm grateful for that, that offering. Well, I thought that the doc was really sad. Yeah. It and really like was. showed like how lonely and isolating her life is and how there's like so few people she actually like keeps in. And it just made me sad. The doc too, yeah. in a yeah. way. Yeah. Being famous kind of sucks. I think it really does. <laughs> I think it really does. I do. St- I mean, like I'm, I'm, I've started a list of all the proof I think that there is, and that there's like amazing Tumblr posts and master posts about this, um, about like, you know, her, about how this is about Carly Claus. But the one thing I'll say is that even if it's not true, it is fun to think about, which is part of what gets into the ethics. But there was like a Billboard um, review that like ranked the songs. And it was so boring because every song there was like, I was like, no, like the actual interesting theme here is like whether or not this is about Carly Kloss. Like it's, it just makes it more like fun. And maybe she's actually just, I did see something that I totally agree with, which is like, if she is straight, she knows what she's doing and it is becoming queer baiting. And yeah. I think that's true. Yeah. I think she it is knows. true too, which is not good, which gets into also like, she claims to be such a big LGBTQ activist. Like it's fucked if that's what you're doing to the community that you're trying to build up. Yeah. Which happens all the time. Yeah, definitely. And that's, and that's what makes it, possible but either either is possible or maybe there's a a third avenue we haven't considered i don't know todrick Uh is her best friend she needs to consult him on this (laughs) i don't know if todrick's gonna save us at this point Um, before okay i also i want to talk about like just where she stands politically um especially after the documentary especially after the last few years like something that i think we have seen really clearly is that she has positioned herself politically in such a better way than she had over the last few years by just being vocal, by just speaking out, by using her platform, which is all anyone was ever asking her to do. I mean, there's, there's always more and we'll see more, but it makes it, it makes, I know myself personally, much more receptive to an album period and an album like this, because I'm like, okay, I don't have to feel weird about you. I don't have to wonder if you're like silently condoning white supremacism. Like we are on the same team and I love your, I love this album. It like, it's making, I'm seeing that really different. I'm seeing people who I think would have um, really just stayed on the sidelines of like being excited about this album, you know, being able to be vocal about that because she, she did what we've been asking her to do. Hopefully that'll continue. Do you guys feel like that's true? Yeah. I, I feel like there is in the last few years, there's become much more mystery about her personal life. And much less mystery about her politics. Yeah. um, She's drawn some boundaries, which I think the documentary was talking about as well. Um, And then she's also like crossed some lines that she hadn't crossed before in a good way politically. And that's great. And she even, I think in Epiphany it is, which is not my favorite song, but she is like shout out to the (laughs) frontline workers. Like, (laughs) yeah. There's like something about how like med school didn't teach you that. And I was like, damn, um, true. <laughs> med school didn't teach me that. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, I, I, I think so too. It's good to not have to like question at least some of her intentions that way. Some of her intentions, yeah. are some of the biggest consequence consequences, including like, you know, who she stands behind politically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Totally. My favorite part of, I, I do like Epiphany. Um, I have not even attempted to rank these songs. I don't think I'm going to try. Like, I don't think I can do that. Kind of, of what Becky was talking about earlier, that they're just like really cohesive, but I do think a few will, will rise to the top for me. But anyway, I love that, like, that, like, ah sound in, in exile. I'm not exile in Epiphany, you know, like when she kind of like screams like mm-hmm. in chill way. I, I think that's great. Yeah. I think this album is so Taylor. I really do. I think it's like different than anything she's ever done. And it's exactly her. Like both those things can be true at the same time. Yeah. It's very like, she's always been very observational. Uh huh. Not that that doesn't mean that we haven't been like, what are you doing a lot of the time? But she has, you know, a lot of her music has been like incredibly observational and yeah. this one is too. And it's more, 
it's more like introspective as I think a lot of us are being these days when we can't do the stuff that we usually like to do and all the totally. like distractions and fun things. Yeah. Um, okay. yeah. No, go on Becky. I was going to say that also like the best Taylor is the Taylor that's a storyteller. Always. And it's, like, all of her other best songs are like folklore songs. They're just pop. But, like, it's the same, like, she's the best. Like, that's why All Too Well is, like, such a good song because it's a beautiful story. Like, it's a heartbreaking story. And you can visualize it, like, the refrigerator door, you know. Right. You feel it. Yeah, you feel Um, it. You're like, fuck you, Jake Gyllenhaal. You know, someone actually said um, in in the B-Sides community that, like, um, this is our friend Reagan, um, said that like it felt kind of like she was playing dress up with tropes from indie artists and Lana and mm-hmm. I asked if like if that was in a bad way and Reagan Reagan said it's not in a bad way it just kind of also feels like the collaborators were really taking the driver's seat and that you I, really like feel that and I'm not sure I agree with that but I think it's an interesting you know perspective I had a thought when this album came out and I was like did she really have to work with three white men I know. On doing this album, because I was like, Taylor, read the room. Like, we know we love Jack Antonoff. We know he does, like, he produces pop magic. The Chicks album is so good, which we could talk about on another podcast. Yes. Because that album is just about a man who did Natalie wrong. But anyway, um, I know. I was like, Taylor, like, could you have found an indie artist that's not a white man to have done this album with you? And I do think, like, it does. I actually, I didn't do this research and I should have, and I don't know if you guys know, like, I, the guy from The National didn't write all of the songs, right? He co-wrote, like, I wanted Correct. to, I wanted to see if we could maybe guess which ones he wrote. Oh, I think he did, like, 11 did. of them. Yeah. So he did a lot of them. 11 of 16. I, I looked, think, so I can't participate in the guessing. I didn't think that they sounded super like The National. I mean, you can kind of tell. I think it sounds like exactly what i would want a taylor swift x the national to sound like Mm -hmm. and nothing like and in the best way but more taylor than the national like i do think she's in the driver's seat for sure these really do feel like taylor to me although reagan did say she said i'm sure that the ownership element i'm thinking of will grow over time i feel like folklore marks a lasting shift in the direction of her work i totally agree with that um but i i do think that like taylor has been giving us nuggets of this i hear a lot of um I hear like a heartbroken daylight in a lot of these songs. I hear a lot of her other songs in, in this album. Like I still think it's totally a Taylor Swift album. And I think the thing about having this quarantine album come out of like a creative burst, the pro is all the things we've talked about. The con is that she really did this by like zoning, not zoning in, honing in on like one collaborator and then another And if she had planned her eighth album, she would have included like a more diverse set of collaborators, I would like to believe. I think she was just like really following this one creative burst, which is great. And it means you really have like gaps. You have real gaps. You know, I'm thinking now, how often does she really collab with women? She collabed with the chicks. Yeah. It's very rare. Yeah, it's interesting. She collabs with women when they are known artists. So like Imogen Heap or like St. Vincent. And I don't think, I mean, the truth is it's like a little bit something she could work. It is definitely something she could work, work harder at. And there are not a lot of songwriters who are women who are yeah. able to like be supported in the songwriting well, industry. St. Vincent though could have helped with this album. I think it's similar vibes. Yeah. Like she probably could have helped. She probably could have come up with similar, if not better music than what Bonnie there. <laughs> came up with we're like Joni Mitchell or like Kate Bush yes yeah Joni Mitchell still alive yeah she is right but she's yeah. not like I don't know if she's in the collaborating state she's the lucky one that's who the lucky ones yeah about. um do you know there's a theory Mimi that she did co-write two songs that Joni Mitchell co-wrote two I didn't songs know this. really you know yeah what? on this album yeah because there's a, a there's a uh co-writer listed named William Bowery and oh, that's I- we like it's clear that's a pseudonym and most people i think actually think it's joe which is interesting i saw that that conspiracy Um, theory yeah but i saw like one headline that was like is it Joni mitchell and that's all i know so i have no idea where that came from but 
I, that would be really cool. Can someone in the comments give me a vibe check for Joni Mitchell? Because I didn't think she was doing too well, but I would love if. Yeah, let us know. <laughs> was able to be co-writing these songs. <laughs> I hope that she is. King. Carol King, too. Like, Carol King's written, like, so many songs, like, more songs than you ever could imagine. Were you, were either of you into, um, like, Safe and Sound and, um, like, Eyes Open when yeah, those came out? I loved those songs. Mm-hmm. Eyes that's Open? That's what these feel open. like. Right? Like, that's, that's the vibe. Eyes Open. It's a great song. It is really good. I really think this, this does feel... I think that part of why a lot of people are grabbing onto like the is is Taylor gay theory is because there's like a level of authenticity that feels so it's like so transcendent like this just feels like Taylor Swift talking to us and Jack Antonoff in his Instagram post was like she did a lot of these in like all one take which is like unheard of for a pop star so there's something that feels so raw and authentic so then when she says I'm telling someone else's story it's like you can't be but she actually can because she's a great storyteller, but it feels so authentic. I hadn't seen my good old friend Jack's post. It's I really sweet. Of course it is. I think he loves August the best. Oh, so we're going to guess the five songs that oh, yeah. the National didn't – Mimi, do you know? Because I don't know either. I don't know. I'll, pu- I'll pull it up and, um, and, w- and you both can guess and I'll let you know. I hate how much I love the music that Jack Antonoff produces. I know. <laughs> we do. Infuriating. The Chicks album is a, ma- a literal masterpiece. It's so good. Shout it's- out to B-Sides episode like nine, eight about Jack Antonoff. Great app. Yeah. Yeah. Nine. <laughs> nine. Nine. It's so good. It's so good, Jack. Fuck you, Jack Antonoff. I just. It's so Would it be easier for you to start by guessing which ones are Jack's? Okay. Well, I think the one is definitely a Jack song. I think so too. Do you want me to tell you now or do you want to do you want to keep guessing? No, tell us. No. Oh wow. I would have said the same thing. Oh I love that song. That might be one of my top ones, actually. Like I love it. I think it yeah, bops yeah. as much as any of these songs bop. Um, yeah, I think that's my favorite one. That'll oh, be Betty. Fun. I said Betty is a Jack Antonoff song. What do you think, Mimi? About Betty or yeah. another one? Betty. Betty. I, mm, yes, I do. I do. Okay. You're half right. He did not write it. He produced, he produced it. it. Uh, okay. He co-produced it with the three of them, actually. Interesting. Yeah. Oh, I feel kind of, like, shook from the one not being. <laughs> okay, Cardigan has to be a Jack Antonoff song. Oh, I okay. I think it is. I think that's, like, a national one. But I think that Jack did some of the ones, like, in the middle. Now that I'm, like, looking at the track list and seeing yeah, that. Yeah, I'm looking like, at too. Like, okay. Um, Mirrorball. I have to say, Mimi totally nailed it. Cardigan is the national. Mirrorball is Antonoff. And he has most of that middle chunk. That's where he is. How did you know that? (laughs) It was so good. I just saw, because I saw, I was like looking at them and I saw, because they kind of blend together for me. And I was like, my tears ricochet. Oh, I do love my tears ricochet. And then I was kind of like the archer like yes um, so my tears ricochet is the only one that she wrote herself but she co but she co-produced it with jack and then jack has august this is me trying illicit affair so good um and then he produced my tears ricochet and and betty betty yeah peace is totally the national did the national national on the one then yes okay Yes. It's, it's all coming together. The National it's was on Cardigan and the one. Yeah. I think yeah. that I'm a big National fan, obviously. I think from so. This. I love the National. I, ne- yeah. I never remember to listen to them, but every once in a while I'll put one of their songs on my playlist. I'm like, I love them. Yeah. Is she gonna a bunch of national? Is she going to be on a National album or song? Oh, could you imagine? That would be amazing. Yeah. I was surprised, honestly, that she wasn't on part of the Chicks' new album. I thought we were going to yeah. get a collab, but yeah. sadly – we did not. It's okay. Something to look forward to in the future. I feel like it's inevitable because after this, she'll come out with some like big country and pop thing, but then it's also a little bit like moody and melancholy because I think that she'll kind of like, she's just building on themes. That's what she does. That's what she does so well. That's what she does so well. 
Great. So as Mimi pointed out, we've been saying a lot of grand and vague things without getting super specific. So let's start getting into some specifics. Um, why don't one of you, Becky or Mimi, pick like one song and let's start, let's start talking about it a little more specifically. I think we need to go in order because that's okay. what Taylor and Jack Antonoff wanted us to do. Great. Um, I love the first song. Which off is the conveniently album. titled The One. Yes, it is The One. Um, I'm sorry, I'm just pulling up the album. I think it's a great way to start the album. It reminds me of, um, oh my God, why can, am I having a brain fart? It's the first song off Lover. Yes, I forgot that you existed. People were saying yeah. that. Totally. It sounds similar beat, similar vibe. Um, it's a great way to open the album. In fact, it's, yeah. to me, it doesn't really set the stage for the album because it's like the happiest song. Oh, so I was like, so, ooh, yeah. fun vibes. And it's like, this is sad vibes. I will say, if she's actually with Joe Alwyn, it's mean to Joe. Yeah, I, know. I think it's sad. <laughs> I, I was going to say, I don't, I don't think it's, it is kind of like a, it's relatively upbeat, but it's not um it's not a happy song but it is yeah. the kind of song where you think it could have like potential for like a pop explosion somewhere in there whereas like most of yeah. them you're like absolutely not we're not going above like this level right. um it is it is mean to him if they are still actively together it really is unless they had a long conversation about it and came to an understanding about what it means and we don't know about it if jay-z can get through lemonade Joe can get through folklore, but not easily. There's yeah. some stuff there. Um, okay, the next one is Cardigan. I really like Cardigan. I really do. I like it too. Oh my God, speaking of conspiracy theories. Yeah. Did you see, I think I saw this on uh, TikTok. People were comparing how Taylor's in the piano and water with Harry Styles. Yeah. Falling music video being like are you trying to tell me this isn't a signal and then i saw it, and it was like taylor swift's birthday is december 13th like harry styles releases this album december 13th and then it was like harry styles the one direction tour and it was like i'm yeah. gonna fuck you up harry styles and it was like taylor swift <laughs> yesterday was supposed to be album. the day of one direction <laughs> no <laughs> anyway sabotage sabotage I like that song. I like the music video. It's not the best thing ever, but I like it. I do like Great American Dynasty, though. It's very Starlight, right? Mm. She loves to talk about rich people who aren't her. But she in, is one of them. <laughs> and then connected to them. In New England, specifically. Yeah. Oh, but you know what we can talk about? How Exile is the song that uh, Gary Light, what's his name? Lightfoot. Lightfoot wishes. Oh my god, that's so true. Editing Hannah jumping in just to say, I meant light body. Lori Lightfoot is the mayor of Chicago. I must have local politics on the mind. Okay, back to the pod. Exile is a song that when I, whenever I listen to it in the beginning, I'm like, this is fine, but I don't care so much about it. But then when it builds in the end, I'm like so ruined and I love it so much. It's so good. And then My Tears Ricochet, people were saying, was like an early favorite. And when I first listened to it, I was like, I like this, but it's not anything special. But then also that really built. And by the end, and now I like love it. I love that song. Mirrorball is devastating. It's about yeah, Dancing yeah. with the Stars. Oh, that's, of course. That's what you get at the end. You get the Mirrorball. Of mirror course. Ball. I love that song. Like, I don't know. Oh, my God. I just want to hug her. Like, I just want her to be okay. Seven, we already talked about, I think, is really gay. In the best way. Do you guys like Seven? You were, you, someone was saying that you don't like the middle part, which I think is my favorite part of the whole album. I was just saying, I think the middle songs, I was agreeing with Mimi that it like, that they like blend. Yeah, they blend. That doesn't mean like we don't like them. It's just like they, yeah, yeah, got it. I don't know. Um, I, yeah, I like that one. I remember really liking it at first and then maybe some others came up. I really yeah. like, august at first and i still do yeah like when she said august slipped away like a bottle of wine i don't know why i like it so much but i do it's beautiful did you also notice because i didn't at first that seven is track seven and august the eighth month is track eight and one is mm -hmm. one it's her mind <laughs> what she can do numbers numbers illicit affairs i don't mean to i i don't mean to skip this as me trying it's a i really like that song but illicit affairs i 
if this is like a story that is authentic to her as devastating I don't think if it's not about Carly Kloss and she was cheating on, she was being involved in some other affair. That's devastating. Yeah. What are like, um, okay. The next one, the next ones are invisible string, mad woman, epiphany, Betty, peace and hoax. What are your favorites from those? Invisible string. Uh huh. And peace. Nice for me. I just think they're both like musically beautiful and lyrically beautiful. And, um, there's, there's just a lot of, a lot of pathos, you know, just like yeah. a whole, a whole lot and Betty too. But sometimes when a song is, there are occasions and this is like dumb, but sometimes when a song is like five minutes, mm-hmm. it's gotta be, it's gotta be like really great. And it is really great and it does build, but it's not like a, it's not like an every listen song necessarily. For sure. Me. Sure. That makes sense to me. But it's a really interesting and good song. And that's one of the ones where they're like, this is this, that is like a, like a classic, like blue gold dress moment of like, this is Carly Kloss versus like, this is her, like, this is just a story persona and telling a story. Right. Right. Peace is my favorite song so far on the album. Yeah. Yeah. It's really great. It kind of reminds me of actually what her, I like hoax a lot too. Her last, uh-huh. I normally love her last songs on her album. Yes, that's right. Remember we had um, like a, a poll about this in the B-Sides Instagram mm-hmm. a few weeks ago. I completely forgot about that when I was listening to Hoax today. Like, is this, does this, does this live up to being a last song by Taylor Swift? Peace seems like it should have been the last song on the album yeah. when listening to it. It's a good closure. closure. Something that I love about Peace is like there's that steady note that's played over and over in the beginning and then like the beat drops for lack of a better term. And then like at the end, it's just that steady part again, which kind of like, it really just gives you the impression that she's like almost stream of consciousness. Like she's thinking about something and then suddenly she's like, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to articulate this. And then she just goes back. Which is why I thought it was a Jack Antonoff song. So Uh I'm surprised. We all get surprised by the lack of Jack Antonoff in our lives every once in a while. Don't we? We really do. Yeah. I think what about you, I was just going to say that I think, like, the reason Hoax is the last song. I mean, it's a lot like every one of her last songs, which is, like, a phoenix rising from the ashes yeah. moment. Whereas Peace is a little more uh, sad to me and, like, questioning. Yeah. yeah. I thought Daylight was really sad. It is. But it's, and like, bitter. Hard. it's bittersweet because now she sees Daylight. Yeah. Yeah. Burning red. Oh, I love that song. Yeah, it's so good. And so it's is so Long good. Live. The best. The best. Oh, they're all good. Um, I was happy. I was honored and ecstatic to have created the poll because it meant I did not have to participate in it because I could not pick my favorite. There's, they're, they're no, all amazing. Long Live, like, is an anthem and we don't talk about it enough. Here's my hot take about Invisible String. It is one of the only ones I think is like, can all be construed as positive. And what I think is like the whole concept of the song is like playing with the idea of inevitability, which I think is very beautiful. And sometimes when you are in love, it feels like that happened, like everything in your life led up to this moment. But it's such, it's like literally the opposite of the rest of the album, which is all about what ifs, sometimes literally, and sometimes like, just in theme about like how how certain things like should have been inevitable but weren't or just about how random the world is and like how you know the world just suddenly will will change so quickly and so it was really interesting to me thematically that that invisible string was like that that was the explicit theme it wasn't just like I love you it was like we were never going to not end up together at least that's what I got from it I think that's true, but I think also, like, the idea that it is invisible and you had no idea yeah. that it would happen the whole time, in that sense, it coalesces with everything else. But I agree, the fact right. that, it, like, in the end, in retrospect, is faded in some way is is different from the parts of the album, most of it, which is much more, um, much more questioning of, of everything and, like, reckoning with uncertainty forever. Right. Maybe she put it in the middle and like, but towards the end, it's, it's track number 11. 
I think that she didn't want it to feel like a beginning or an end. Yeah. You know, she wanted to kind of bury it and be like, this isn't actually linear. This timeline is not linear. Y'all, this is a great album. That's great. Yeah. It's been great talking about it too. It's so fun. And everybody on the B-Sides world has just been so fun today. I love every single one of you. I just want to highlight a few more really great uh, great takes from our lovely community. Um, Dana said, this album has changed my musical landscape. I don't want bangers and bops. I want folklore. I love that. Um, Maggie said, I think this is the album and music she's always wanted to do since it seems so raw and beautiful, which I think is really sweet. And I think that our, like the conversations that we've been having in the B-Sides Facebook and the Instagram have been exceptionally fun today and it makes me really excited just to be in this community with all of you and I know for a fact so I won't even frame it as an ask um, I know for a fact that you all will dm us with all of your thoughts about this podcast episode so please do don't be shy um there also we've talked about like possibly having a listening party for this album um that was someone's idea in the comments of uh, of our instagram post and if you're into that we could totally make that happen in this world where everything is done on zoom so if you want a listening party we could um definitely make that happen and that could be a really fun way to spend a few a few hours of our lives together i'm gonna put this in the i'm gonna put this out in the universe now i would like a taylor swift and maggie rogers collab <gasps> I could see it. I could see them doing some songwriting together. Yes. Putting it out. Oh, let's, let's manifest the shit out of that. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Awesome. Well, thank you all so much for um, encouraging us to do this bonus episode um, and for listening through it the whole way through. Okay. So what do you think? What did we get? What did we miss? Talk back at us by following us on Instagram at listen to the B-Sides. Follow us on Twitter at the B-Sides pod. Definitely join our Facebook group by searching the B-Sides or you can go to bit.ly slash the B-Sides FB group. Um, We would love if you could rate and review us on iTunes. Your favorite podcasts ask you for that for a reason. It really helps us out. And if we want to launch season two with a bang, we really do need that. So take a few minutes and give us five beautiful stars, which is how we all feel about this amazing folklore album as well. So with that, until the next time, we inevitably cut to the feeling when we launch season two. I'm Hannah Zoe. I'm Becky. I'm Mimi. Bye, everybody. Bye. Take care.